Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. What's up and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh King, and this is the podcast for established church leaders. Sometimes people are confused with what we mean by established church. We're just talking about a church that's older than you are with systems and processes, that sort of stuff. Not really a church plant. It's something that you inherit and which is a great reason to have consulting. If you listened to the last episode, last week we talked to Matt Swoboda. 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 That's Swoboda. close enough. I've heard, I've heard worse. I was so close. <laughs> um, in my mind, it sounded perfect. I'm just and glad you went for it. That's the Matt main thing. Swoboda. Swoboda. You failed forward. Yes, Matt Swoboda, about uh, church ops and consulting, that sort of things, which is so hugely helpful uh, when you are pastoring or leading an established church and a plant, I would imagine, as well. So Matt is back on the show this week. Matt, man, it's been like a whole two and a half seconds since I talked to you last week. Yeah, it's just crazy. But so, thankfully, we get to bless everybody by spreading it out a little bit. Further. It's the miracle of podcast scheduling. <laughs> so... um yeah. So in last episode, we just kind of talked about some of the object. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Ob- criticisms of starting yeah, some a, of the like, some of the barriers, you barriers. Know, that, that churches have to to pull that trigger into the obstacles. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. The obstacles to yeah. church consulting. And now we're going to sort of unpack um, the top three areas that need uh, that most established church leaders need consulting on, and some advice on those. So. Um, I'm going to let you drive this bus, man, because yeah. you're the consultant. So no, what's number great. one? Yeah. So I, yeah, I would definitely categorize it in, in three categories that are most important. And mm-hmm. for me, it's all about like, I kind of ask them the question, what is the most valuable to our church and mm-hmm. what, what are the most valuable assets that we have? Uh, because those are the things you want to take the most care of. And so, you know, most churches, you know, what do they have? Most churches, what they have is, is about 50% of their budget, somewhere around there, dedicated to their staff. Mm-hmm. And as most pastors know, at least ones who've had to go through it uh, several times, staffing is about the most, it's, uh, you know, it might be the most difficult thing um, in terms of that organizational, operational side of things uh, to do. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very, you know, it's very hard. Um, that's why, you know, some, you know, it's like, they almost stop trying to do it on their own. And like, well, let's just hire an outside firm and, <laughs> and try mm-hmm. to try to get them to, to do it for us. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and you know, every good leader also knows, man, no, your church can only be as healthy as your team. And so for me, uh, staffing is the number one area to make sure you have that really well established and you get some coaching to make sure, um, that you're, you're set for the future. And, um, that looks, that doesn't just look like consulting for one hire. Mm. Uh, it's for me, that goes back to like the, you know, the old saying you can, uh, you can either, uh, you know, catch a man, a fish or teach him to fish, right. whatever it is. 
Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, man, church is for long-term sustainability and success uh, and, and just for, for the, what you get for your, your money. Um, churches need to learn how to do staffing really well on their own and not be dependent upon a forever, you know, outside firm or, uh, or consultant to, to be able to do that for them. Mm. And so just investing in, man, what does it look like to hire out of strategy and not out of need? You know, a lot of churches, they just fall into that trap of what's the most urgent pressing thing? Oh, it's this. Okay, let's hire a staff member to put over that. Well, next thing you know, you've had a bunch of urgency hires and a bunch of need hires, and it hasn't been based out of strategy. And you got a lot of dead weight around that you're, you know, uh, that's not structured to actually help you, you know, do what you need to do and to do it. God's called you to do, uh, but you're never going to hire a strategy without knowing how to build out, you know, a hiring, um, a staffing plan, and a, you know, it's like a two-year staffing plan and having a hiring hiring strategy. Yeah, um, and you're just stuck in in need. Wow. So would this include also like volunteers or lay leaders? Uh, for, well, one part of like a really strong staffing is knowing how to take someone from a volunteer to like a coach to like a volunteer staff member and to become a staff member. You know, hmm. it's the, the data inside the church and in the, the, you know, marketplace is your external hires. You have about a 50% chance to be successful and internal hires is more between 85 and 90%. Wow. So that's the other thing. Like when people are stuck using external firms, that's purely focused on external hiring. You're literally giving yourself at best a 50% success rate. And so part of that having, you know, a really strong staffing plan has to include how are we developing leaders inside of our own, our own church? Like, what are we doing? It's like, um, you know, knowing leaders have to be built, not bought. You know, it's, it's how are we building leaders so that our long term staffing plan uh, is a sustainable model where people already are. They're bought into the culture. They're bought into the mission. Uh, they know how we function. And we're able to take them along a development process to go from volunteer to a a great staff member. Wow. That's fantastic. And I do know that, um, at least in our experience here at Second, it wasn't just uh, the outside hiring, but also just how current staff are getting along and uh, the way that we address certain issues and work through those things together. So you're right, man, with with at least, I mean, on the healthier side, it needs to be around 50% of your budget going towards um, personnel. And that's a huge amount of the budget. And so right. there really needs to be more than just money going to that. There needs to be some thought and yeah. some strategy. What are some of the biggest, uh, I don't know, uh, mistakes that you've seen churches make in that when they're trying to do right, but they, they keep making these mistakes? Yeah. So one, uh, and most of these mistakes is what we learned firsthand. And then we finally said, there's got to be a better way. And, uh, and yeah, a lot of that is you, um, one, you know, the, the one I already mentioned, I think that biggest mistake is people just hire out of need and not out of strategy. They don't Hmm. have a plan and nobody succeeds long-term functioning by shooting from the hip and without a plan. Uh, so I think that's a huge one. I think that that's the one that gets you in the most amount, uh, of trouble, or at least the is the one that co- is the most consistent um, hmm. that that churches fall into. And um, you're talking about a strategy, a hiring strategy. This isn't necessarily like the strategy to evangelize the city, right? No, this is a strategy just for your staff. And wow. So it's See, a, most guys are not thinking that way. So yeah, it's a hey, if we, here's where we are today, 
where do we want to be in two years? Where do we think, not even where do we want to be? Don't, don't go to about staffing as dreamers. Go about staffing as realists. Where do we think we'll be in two years? And then what's it going to, what's our staff need to look like to do that in a sustainable and healthy way where our church is cared for? Our staff's not getting burnt out and, and we're able to, you know, to reach more, more people. And so no, it, this isn't a, this is a, you need a plan literally just for your team. How wow. can I build, you know, the best team? Uh, it's a little bit like being a, you know, a GM for a, um, you know, a NFL Baseball team. team. It's, yeah. You have to have, um, you just, you have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody is good enough. You know, the book uh, by Laszlo Bach, the guy who did people operations um, mm-hmm. for, um, that's what they called HR at Google. And he just said, hey, one of the things their data showed them was nobody's as good at hiring as they think they are. <laughs> uh, um, and we all want to you know, probably believe we're a little better at it than we are. And, and their whole point was, man, the data shows uh, that nobody's as good as they think they are. Wow. And when you are just shooting from the hip and you're just relying on, man, how good can you, can you handpick them? I mean, you're you're going to, you know, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Matt, we jumped right into the topic without introducing you. You are Matt. You work with Church Ops, um, founder of Church Ops, and you're a church consultant. You live in the Nashville area, right? And yep. uh, and uh, formerly an executive pastor of a rapidly growing church. Um, so, just wanted yeah. to kind of share that stuff. Yeah, before and so we and that's probably too why why I love staffing. You know, I uh, I helped oversee our staff from growing from about three to thirty five people, and um, and that was you know as our church grew from from that like two fifty to about thirty three hundred range. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, staffing, we just realized, man, when you're, a, when you're a growing church and you're scaling, you have to be able to add staff quickly, but you know, with, you know, with a plan and you, you have to hit, you know, if you're only hitting a 50% success rate, you, you, that's going to stifle your growth, uh, and how well you can care for your people significantly. Yeah. So we're talking about church consulting and, uh, we talked about that last episode. This time we're talking about the top three areas um, that church leaders need to be consulted on and some of the advice that goes with them with Matt of Church Ops. So that's number one is staffing and creating a sort of a staffing plan strategy. What's number two? Uh, number two, uh, this is it's, you know probably like the most trendy word that exists in leadership, uh, but I would say it's, it's trendy for a reason. Uh, I think number two is, is culture. Mm-hmm. And you know what you honestly see is obviously culture and staffing go hand in hand. Right. You know, it's, it's your people make your culture. Um, and so the, for me, this is like one A and one B. Uh, these are the two, the two biggies. Um, be, you know, everyone knows the quote, you know, strategy eats, uh, or culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a lot of consulting out there that focuses 99% of their efforts on strategy hmm. and not knowing how do we help churches actually like discover, define and develop what their culture should be, what culture fits who they are, not purely aspirational. A lot of times like people will go and find like, oh, their culture sounds great. Well, that's awesome for them. That's not who, that's not who you are. It's right. not helpful to have a bunch of listed values that don't, that your church does not embody in any way that are purely aspirational. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, uh, and there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons you can read, I don't know how many books or listen to how many podcasts on the, the importance of, of culture, oh, but making sure that you are just getting like language that's strong and compelling for people 
and paints a really clear picture of who you are, who God's called you to be, uh, that it should list, you know, it should give expectation to staff members and volunteers. And because of this is who we, this, because this is who we are, and this is what it looks like to be a part of, to be a part of this family, a part of this, you know, community of faith. This is what it looks like for you to embody the culture and to, and to live this out. Uh, this is how we relate to each other. This is how we get along. This is how we build trust and unity and treat each other with love. Um, this is the direct, you know, our, the values, our DNA. Um, mm-hmm. That's what determines our direction and where we're going. Like your culture should be defined and developed well enough that all those things are able to fall under it without it being overwhelming for people. Mm. Um, and that's not easy to do. Like that takes work. And, and that's where, um, I think just an outside guide to help you really establish that is super helpful. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's helpful to just a have that, um, outward, you know, that, that outside set of eyes. Uh, and then two, someone who has already crafted a lot of culture language before are just, mm-hmm. is just helpful, you know, along the way. And I see this all the time. I think that's a shift in the, uh, more of a, the next way of pastoring to really focus in on culture. And I'll be honest with you. There's a number of times that friends of mine or other pastors that I'm just loosely um, connected with. One of the things that I see that they get into is they'll be at a church three, four years. They've got great strategies. They come in, they're dynamic leaders, but they never spent any time investing in the culture or developing a culture. And when you get them honest, when you get them raw, they're like, yeah, I mean, this is still killing me. It's because we still have this going on. We still have these things going on. And you start talking to them about them and they never shifted the culture. They just put another strategy over the top of the former culture and the culture yields the results that it's always yielded. So you really have to spend some time on culture. But I think for some folks, it, it feels almost like, oh, worrying about all that's kind of like, I don't know, like pixie dust or magic right, or right. You know, sp- yeah, yeah. it's it's not a real real. So no, that's right. Yeah, no, that's a huge. I think that's the biggest barrier, honestly, when it comes to or the biggest yeah. obstacle for people to invest in culture is it's you know, with everything else. Like, oh, good, you gave me a stewardship development system. I I see how this is going to bring financial R- ROI. Okay, you mm-hmm. gave me a good assimilation process. I understand how you are going to help. Um, you know, get this high, this percentage of people actually engaged into the church with culture. It's not as the outcomes aren't as obvious, Mm -hmm. um, except for people who've actually been in a phenomenal culture and realize it really does eat strategy for breakfast and it it changes everything. It makes hard things less hard and easy things even easier. Mm. You know, um, when your culture set, it makes tough staffing things. Uh, when you have a really strong culture, and people understand where decisions come from. Uh, it just makes all those conversations easier. You know, we 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 eventually we would be able to make when you have a really strong culture, you can make really big decisions and have a couple emails asking some clarifying questions, and that's it. Mm. When you have a bad culture, it's like every conversation is a fight. Yeah, and and the reality is nobody nobody wants to stay in that. You know, nobody wants to stay in a context no. or in a place where. I mean, I can't do a small thing without this thing being a battle. Right. Well, the only way that that becomes not that way, and that where dude, we can we can have hard conversations that feel easy, is when your your culture is so well established that everybody knows these are our agreed upon values. This is what how we're in this together. This is how we function together. Yeah. Um, and then they know when every decision that gets made, I can point back to a value as to why we made that decision. 
So they're right. not questioning where it came from. It's not about you know one person's preference over another. It's about, no, this is who we are, and this is naturally born out of that. I can give you – let me throw this illustration out there. The How many times have you heard a church leader bemoan the fact that I can't get the people to own this thing? And so they'll say – what do you do to create sort of an inviting, like where everybody starts inviting other people? Or what do you do to create sort of that service where the people are serving and not just the professionals? Mm -hmm. And what I often will tell folks is you're asking a strategy question when you're wanting a culture answer. Mm -hmm. the, the difference is in some churches, there's an inviting culture and there's a service culture. You can do all the programs and the things you want to do. And I think you should, but those um, flow out of a service culture or an inviting yeah. culture. They don't create it. And so, yeah, um, so spending good. time on that service and that inviting sort of aspect is what a lot of folks are just really kind of struggling with and trying to yeah. get to. And I think that's sort of people are wanting a strategy when actually they want a culture and they're looking for a strategy. Yeah, no, I, that's a that's a great point. I think when someone has like great systems but bad culture, it's a uh, you know you're 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 dressing up a pig. You know, it's like the lipstick on a pig. Yeah, where it might look good on the outside, but then once someone actually gets in, they don't want to stay. Sure. You know, your your culture will retain people. And like you said, you can try to get everybody. Here's a hundred cards. Go out and just invite all your friends. Well, if you've got to constantly beg your people to invite people to your church, you have a culture issue. Right. Because when they just, when there's a strong culture and they are, they bleed for it. They love it. They're excited about what God's doing in their church. And they know, man, this culture, you know, they would, they don't even know how to say it in these terms, but what they're, what they're saying is, and when the culture is good and I know, Every person I bring, they're going to enjoy their experience. They're going to feel loved. They're, it's going to be warm. It's going to be inviting. Um, you know, people are 10 times more likely to grab that neighbor and invite them. Oh, yeah. So what would you say is the number one thing in investing culture? What would coach right now in somebody that says, okay, I want to do something culture driven? Wait, say that again. What's that? The number one step in coach somebody right now on like starting on a culture track. Oh, yeah. So one, um, like I would, the number one thing is you've got to really, you, I really think it's a three-step process to get your culture where it needs well, to be. It's well, just give the first one so they'll, it, so you, they'll talk to you, you about the last two. You have to give, you have to find um, really good definition for who you are. Hmm. You have to be able in small statements, be able to describe to somebody this is who our church is. This is what we're about. This is what God's called us to be. And not in massive paragraph form, and it shouldn't take you a sermon. You should have a few bullet points where you can say, it's clearly defined. This is what we're about. Wow. I think that's a good word. And the last two, I'm going to encourage everybody to just go talk to Matt and get him to kind of consult your church and have all that say, hey, Matt, pop quiz. You ready? Always. Okay. Actually, I'm never ready for a pop quiz. I know. Me neither. <laughs> what, what do you think the most common struggle for pastors in marriage ministry? What do you think that is? Oh, gosh. So the most common struggle, uh, I would say, you know, the, the standard of, man, does your spouse feel as valued and loved as you make sure everybody in your church feels valued and loved? Wow. That's probably what this, this resource is going to provide. 
But according to Lifeway Research, the most common struggle is the lack of time. I guess this is like pastors not having enough time, you know, to help with them. The second is the lack of resources. And third is the feeling unequipped. And that's probably not a surprise, but it's important. The health of church is directly related to the health of its marriages. That's why Lifeway created WooMarriage.com, W-O-O Marriage.com, a brand new tool that provides Christ-centered marriage coaching for every couple in your church leaders or as your church leaders the best part it's easy with one simple click you can assign courses start coaching and start winning at work and at home whether you need to prepare couples for marriage strengthen the marriages or restore relationships you'll have an affordable flexible solution right at your fingertips try it free for one month with offer code leadership uh, that's one word of course leadership when you go to woomarriage.com slash free trial. That's offer code leadership at checkout on woomarriage.com slash free trial. So Matt, we've been talking so far about the top three areas in which an established church leader needs to be coached and some helpful advice on um, getting those. I encourage you, if you're, if you're listening along, this is some great, great practical stuff. So you may need to listen back, take some notes, listen now, go back and take some notes. And we're at numero Trace, the third one. What is the third top area that uh, church leaders need to be coached on? So the third one, and yeah, for me, that we said staffing and culture, that's that 1A and Mm 1B. And then the next one is, it's the systems. Hmm. If we're going to be good stewards of what God has given us and good stewards of His grace, and we're going to take good care of people, um, we have got to have established ministry systems that actually help people get engaged and engage. And then once they're engaged, they have to, it has to be well done of what they're engaged in, you know, to stay. And a lot of times it's like in the church, we always talk about, oh man, we have to disciple them and send them. Well, if we're not even attracting them and retaining them, we don't have any chance to disciple them and send them. Hmm. And so developing ministry systems that attracts, retains, disciples, and sends is obviously crucially important to just, you know, the mission that they got has, has given the church. And you've got to have good systems in order to do that. Okay. You said retracts, attains, disciples, and sends. I think that most established church leaders, I think that they are all honed in on the disciple. I just do the disciple or I just do the sin. That's what, that's what God called us to do. The, the attracting, you know, that's, uh, that's for sellouts and liberals. Right. This was so hard. Like all four of those are so important, but what you have is you have these, like these churches and theological camps that they, they maximize on attracting and Mm. they're so good at it. And they had, you know, they can get new hundreds of new people through the door every single week. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or you have churches who they can't do that at all. But the very few people who actually do come through the door, once they do, they're great at discipling them and, and sending them. And uh, a lot of times that's just like theological emphasis, I think gets in our way sometimes. Um, a lot of times that's just like a philosophy of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, kind of like what tradition we were raised in that taught us that what was most important. And I just think we lose sight of what's most important is people. Mm-hmm. And the way to take care of people is, you know, you have to have you have to have the, the systems that want man attract them to what God is doing in your midst uh, to have systems and understanding like what actually makes people stay long enough to give you the opportunity to disciple them and send them. There's mm-hmm. a couple st- uh, stats I read in a book. Uh, I think the book was called um, 
effective staffing for missional churches or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought the solutions that they gave at the back end of the book weren't very helpful, but all the information <laughs> on the front of the book was great. And it meant it's, it has a couple stats in there about like that retain piece that says, man, if someone has like, if they develop six to seven meaningful relationships uh, in their first 90 days, there's something like 70 something percent. I think it was 74% more likely to still be at your church in two years. Wow. So if that's true, we should be looking at like an assimilation type of process that says, how can we help get people six to seven meaningful relationships in their first 90 days so that we have a 74% better chance to actually be discipling them in two years? Because we're mm-hmm. not there for two years. You don't have a chance to truly disciple a person. Yeah. I would just say the person who wants to just focus on discipleship um, – you know, I would ask any of them, can you disciple, effectively, completely disciple anybody in two years? And I think every single one of them would say, no. no. I right. mean, like, you can't. Jesus yeah. spent three years, at least, with his disciples. So, no, you can't do that. So, well, what we're talking about here with the reten- retention is, um, you know, is helping you keep them long enough to disciple them. And that's not like Jesus spending every day and evening with the disciples instead of you're just, you know, usually twice a week for a couple of hours. So yeah. it's it's wildly important. And I'm no expert, but I would think that just the churches that I run into a lot of the times, the the attractional part or, you know, getting them there in the first place that is either villainized or it's extremely outdated. Mm-hmm. The retention part is non-existent and they just don't think about it. The discipleship part is there, um, you know, sometimes strong, sometimes not. And the sending is just a mention, you know. And so building on all four of those things, strengthening them and thinking about those as mm-hmm. not only just priorities, but systems has got to be wildly important. Yeah. I mean, just huge Yeah, deal. and there's different systems that help feed into each one. Like you need a good system for like your first time guest experience. You know, because if, mm-hmm. if your church, if your church who's there and established knows there's a great experience for new people, they are going to bring new people more. And it helps with that mm-hmm. attract. And then if you have a really good system to of assimilation to get people into six to seven meaningful relationships, whether that's your groups or your ministry teams or whatever that looks like. I mean, if you have a good assimilation system, you are going to get people that six to seven meaningful relationships that just increase your chance 74% that you can disciple them for two years. And then if you have a good system mm-hmm. in your ministry teams and and in your, your small group network or Sunday school network, however you have it structured, if you have a good system there, uh, man, that means they'll enjoy it. They'll be engaged. They'll have those relationships and they'll actually grow in their faith. Um, to where one day, you know, there's a, a maturity in which which they can, you know, um, be a part of the sin aspect. But you have yeah. to have systems all throughout those kind of those four categories um, in order for people to be able to, you know, fully engage with with what God's doing. Wow. So just add, one of the ways that I've always thought about, uh, I've got these two illustrations in my brain all the time when I'm thinking of pastoring. It's either yard care or it's football. I think in those two realms about um, church work. And I will say, uh, let's just talk about the yard care one. It's not just, we all know the guy on the street that's just mowing weeds, right? He's just keeping the weeds low and that's we're glad me. that he finally did that. That's you said me. that to you? That's me right there. <laughs> <laughs> just keeping those weeds low and we're glad right, that you man. did it every three weeks. Usually that's paying all. a teenager to come do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, um, I'm obsessed with my yard and there's so much about it uh, with the weed and feed and the killing um, of 
you know, critters, that sort of thing, cleaning out certain areas, um, edging and when to cut, how, how, how thick to cut it, all this sort of stuff. It's just like, literally I'm thinking through the level of my mower every time I'm cutting because it matters. Well, all of that is a different approach or a different system. You can't just cut it. You have to also worry about watering it and weeding and feeding it. Same thing with churches. I think sometimes pastors are just, they're just the preacher. That's all they do. They're, they're, you know, or they are just the admin guy or just the systems guy, which is cool that you're playing into your strengths, but that's where consulting really comes along to help you with the other areas that you are not um, strong at because it takes, in this case, in this illustration, four distinct systems to really kind of push the ball forward and to switch yeah, the analogy. That's completely. really good. I'm glad you said that, Josh, because well, a lot of it, what it is, is man, some people's hearts are just they're, they are so geared towards the outsider and the lost that they're mm-hmm. naturally going to do the attract really well. Dude, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Praise God for them. They need someone to come alongside them to help with the back end. And then there's yeah. other people. It's like, no, they are naturally wired. I want to, I want, I want to take people deep. I want to develop them. I want to have a long lasting real discipleship, but they just need a guide to come in and help and say, Hey, let's, in order for you to do that, let me help you set up some systems to to attract and retain more people so you can do that in a bigger way. Absolutely. And it's usually, you know, just really like let's honor and celebrate how God's wired people differently. But then let's get the help that we need on whatever side that is so that we can be a good, well-rounded church. Perfect. Matt, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, before we let everybody go, tell, tell us how they can connect with you and church ops. Yes. You can connect with me at church ops group. So just church ops, OPS group.com. And, uh, yes, my Twitter handle, Matt underscore Swoboda S V O B O D A. And so we can interact there. I'm on there probably too much and I enjoy (laughs) interacting with pastors on there. That's right. And uh, as I'm letting you go, just want to remind you about the group answers podcast with Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel. Uh, They are part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, as is EST. And they've recently covered topics like building a growth track, building a spiritual pathway, and how to raise, uh, what does it say? Raise right sermon-based studies. Uh, Just look up group answers on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. That's all the time we have. We will uh, catch you next week. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.